In fact, tomorrow, I don't even like to say it because I'll be arrested. Well, let's not say it. We need, we need to go, I'll say it. We need to go in to the Capitol. Galison, you're watching No Way Jose. You can find us on the No Way Jose YouTube channel, all the major auto packagers, Odyssey, and Rumble as well. Definitely pushing Rumble. Uh, I just got another age restriction recently, and that's what they did last time before I got a strike. So, Rumble, 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 or start listening on audio. Uh, that would be my suggestions because I don't know how long I'm destined for YouTube. But uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and with that, also, I do want to remind you guys if you want to support this, patreon.com, just no way Jose 2020, lowest level two bucks where you get this early content. Um, this will go, like right now, we're recording this, and this will, well, it's actually a live stream for patrons. It'll go up about a week later uh, publicly. So if that's some way you can support me as well, uh, help with that. I got demonetized on YouTube as well. So that sucks. Not a big deal. It's not like I was making a ton of money, but whatever. Uh, stuff adds up. But I do want to also recognize my sponsors from my patrons real quick. I have Toad, at uh, Tower Gang Toad. Uh, you can go follow him there. Uh, he's my co-host on Tower Gang. Go check out Tower Gang. That's the offensive comedy show. Then at Abrogate D's on Twitter. And then Kevin B. Clark, a full-time guitarist and private music teacher in the New York area. So if you're in the New York area looking for somebody for a gig, a guitarist, or you want to get some uh, music lessons, he's your guy. Then at Z-O-V-E-R-A-C-K on Twitter. Then at underscore infinite zeal. Appreciate you guys supporting me. Uh, if you want to get any of my merch, toplobster.com. You still get checkout for 10% off. All right, let's go ahead and get these guys in here. We're covering the, going back to the Michigan stuff today. Let's get Christina and Brandon in here. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey. Yo, what's up? Hey, uh, you guys, I know I've had you both on multiple times, but I'll have you guys introduce yourselves real quick in case this is someone's first time. Uh, either, I don't know, I guess it doesn't really matter who goes first. Uh, let's just go with Christina. <laughs> I'm Christina. Uh, my channel is Radix Verum, and I'm directing and producing a documentary about the Fednapping hoax, Kidnapping Kill, an FBI terror plot. And you can find the website is just knkfilm.com. 
Brandon. And um, my name is Brandon. I'm one of the dudes who was framed in the uh, fake kidnapping plot in the the biggest trial, the first trial, the federal trial. And ultimately, I was acquitted along with one of my other co-defendants, Dan Harris. Hell yeah. Uh, with that, I do want to start off the show at the top. Uh, one, I, on my $5 level, my patrons, they are able to give questions or they can show up for the live stream. And I give them a little code and they can put it in the live stream. Uh, I have Jay West ask you guys, in the case of the last three conspirators being found not guilty, where does this leave this case and what would Braddock's and Brandon like want to achieve? Uh, I just that I figure that's a good place to start out. Uh, I mean, that is a little bit, of, I guess, a spoiler. Although, I mean, it, that's kind of immediately what we would probably get into. That's the newest development right now. I'll yes. be honest; I haven't been following this case very closely at this point because I, to be completely frank, I was not very hopeful here. <laughs> I did not think it was going to turn out well, and I was very surprised. But uh, yeah. I, I guess, yeah. So, what are you guys' thoughts about? what what's next uh where does this leave this and what, what can be achieved at this point well i would say that it's a good thing number one because uh people kind of were able to say previously that only two guys had been acquitted right and then you had uh you know five that had been convicted and there were uh four i think who took plea deals and so at this point, now there's two juries. There are five people that have been acquitted. That's really half for half if you take out the people who were coerced into taking plea deals. So I think that's a, a big deal. And my hope is that it helps the appeals of the men that are still in prison and hopefully eventually leads to getting them out. Brian, you got anything? Yeah, absolutely. It? Yeah, I mean, you know, what this shows to me is that the Fed's involvement was way more than they were initially trying to claim. You know, um, you take so many people to trial, there's 12 informants involved, you know, 14 people go to trial, half of them get acquitted by different juries and all that. It's like, okay, this definitely needs to be looked into because pretty much half of the people uh, were innocent people. They were, we were innocent Americans just doing our thing, shooting our firearms and training and criticizing the government and the government came after us and framed us in a fake crime and then to be held accountable for that. Do you, uh, Christina, you'd know better than, you know, I would for sure. What is the, is there any current, is there upcoming legal uh, challenges that will be coming soon? Is there any, is there anything for this to move forward? I'm assuming maybe there's peels on certain levels or something. Uh, wh what do we have now? And then obviously we're going to backtrack and we'll talk about what happened, but I'm, I, it, we're yes. still kind of on this topic of, where where are we going from here? So right now, uh, they're all appealing, all of the five guys that are still in there, uh, from what I understand. Um, so Adam and Barry's appeals briefs have been filed with the Sixth Circuit, and they have not decided to take it up yet. Um, that process could take years. We don't really know. So uh, the government, I believe, has, I think, until November to respond to it. So that's where we are, at least with Adam and Barry. Um, for Paul, Pete, and Joe, uh, from what I understand, they're going to be appealing, but like they're still waiting before they can even do their appeal. They're still waiting for the rest of their transcripts to come in. They were due in April of this year, and they just never turned them in. Here we are at October, and um, yeah, so they can't even file their appeals yet. Yeah. 
Well, all right, I guess let's backtrack a little bit. Uh, I'll pass it off to you, Christina, because this is definitely your your spot. What? Treat me like I'm an idiot, because I kind of am, like I said, with this specific part. Who are the people involved, and uh, exactly what happened? I know we've basically said it already, but just spell it out for the people at home uh, what, what we're talking about here. Yes, uh, for the final trial specifically, this last one, or just the whole thing? <laughs> For the last one. Okay, so (laughs) the last three defendants here were Eric Molitor uh, and Bill and Michael Null. They were twin brothers, and they were facing charges of providing material support. Then there was an additional felony firearms charge. So these guys were looking at um, 20 years in prison uh, for providing material support. And the, the support that they provided materially to a bunch of guys that were framed by the FBI was according to the government personnel. Um, And what that meant was while they showed up to an FBI funded and sponsored and hosted FTX, which is a field training exercise, and they legally carried their legally owned firearms, But because they were there and armed, they said they were providing personnel, which is the material support for somehow terrorism, uh, to this event they were invited to uh, that was hosted by the FBI. And because they were there with their firearms, that that was somehow, you know, they're committing a felony by providing the material support. So that's just an automatic felony firearms charge just because they were armed. Like they didn't have any illegal weapons, nothing like that. So it's just nonsense. It's ridiculous. Yeah. What was what was the feeling throughout? Was this hopeful from the beginning, or was my characterization a little bit off? Because I my feeling was I thought the feds were going to come back with a fury and really screw these people over. Because honestly, Brandon and uh, I forget the other individual that both got uh, bo- both got off. Uh, I mean, that was like, to me, that blew my mind that that even happened, even though I do think this is complete, uh, basically a Fed hoax, but I was still surprised that even happened. So I wasn't expecting this. What was the feeling from the beginning? Do you agree with that? Did you agree with that sentiment? Did you kind of feel it? Obviously you, you have, you do want to be somewhat hopeful, uh, but was that kind of the feeling with a lot of people that just kind of like, this was a very much an uphill battle or was it kind of like felt hopeful from the beginning? Well, I would say um, even with like, don't forget that a lot of these courts make rulings about what evidence can be presented to the jury. So things that you and I know about and are talking about with the, the corruption of these agents, things like that, the jury may not necessarily get to hear that. So there's always that in your mind of like how they rig the game prior to going into it. I have questions myself, too, about like the jury selection process and things like this. Um, So I kind of I wasn't that hopeful going into it. And my assumption was going to be that they were going to do the same thing that they did um, after they lost the first trial when they retried Adam and Barry and they went very like hard uh, at them. And I think they tried to do that in a way here. But I think that The problem was, is that unlike with some of these other guys who they had more, they were able to frame them better because they had more interaction with them. These guys were sort of on the periphery and it was, they kept pushing back this trial. I mean, they pushed it back for three years, which I think is kind of like crazy, 
you know, it's certainly not a speedy trial, even with COVID or whatnot. I think that's kind of ridiculous. Um, but they kept pushing it back. So that was an indication that they knew they didn't really have anything and it was a stretch. And that's why when we saw this trial play out, um, it was all about Adam and Barry. It was Adam and Barry. They would just play like clips of them. And this, the stupidest thing about that is these are clips from public Facebook videos of them just like ranting and stuff. So very yeah. silly. <laughs> Oh, Brandon, were you about yeah. to say something? Look, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was, you know, co coming into this, I was just really interested to see how they were going to put this together because I remember seeing the Null Brothers. I remember seeing Molitor at, uh, you know, like one or two of these events. And, you know, my situation, they were trying to say that I was like one of the main guys. You know, I was like an enforcer of, of for Adam and Barry and all of this bullcrap. And, you know, these other guys are really like so disconnected, even just from the regular social interactions that, that we had. They weren't in any chat rooms, really. You know, they went to like a couple protests, but weren't even connected to Adam and Barry or anything like that. And I'm like, how are these guys going to try to connect these guys together? You know, and they just use like dumb stuff like a Google search, like the government said to search like the governor's house or do this or that. And they're like, oh, okay, whatever. Like, and they look something up online and they're like, that's the material support right there. It's like, well, you just set this entire event up and you instructed him to do that. But in the court, uh, this time around, they weren't even allowed to mention the word entrapment, entrapment or anything. And it's like, dude, if you're trying to tell me I can't say certain words to defend myself, to describe reality, like you're, you're hindering my ability to, to seek the truth, you know? And that's what we see happening now all the time is them restricting the ability to, to get down to the truth and allow the government to fabricate lies and, and manipulate and falsify certain data and on their documentation and then get caught for it and then say it was like a clerical error and just so many different things like, uh, you know, they bore you to death with their testimony first, like Henrik Impola. And Hempel is going on for like a week. And we're like, dude, when is this going to end? You know? And then when he gets cross-examined, it's like this guy before knows everything, dude. He remembers specific dates. He remembers all these times. Oh yeah. You were connected in here. And this, what that group was. And then he gets cross-examined and his memory, he just gets amnesia. He, he doesn't remember anything, dude. He doesn't know anything. I don't know. I don't know. I don't recall. You just don't know shit now. That doesn't even make sense. So he looked like a liar right there. Just got caught up in a bunch of lies. It, who was who this guy? Impala, you said his name was? I don't, I don't remember that name. There's so many people. Yeah. This, it's hard to keep. Yeah. He, well, <laughs> yeah. Henrik Impala was one of the main FBI agents involved in the entire case. He did not testify at the first trial, though, because, you know, we kind of knew that he had committed perjury and some other cases and stuff like that. Yeah. So they just used him for the state boys and used yeah. the FBI agent to testify in state court to do that, which is kind of interesting in and of itself. Yeah, that was interesting. Given his inability to, to tell the truth, I was surprised that they used him because his testimony differed drastically too, just between what he said in Jackson County versus what he said here. Like he can't keep his story straight. And if you just go back and look at what he said previously versus what he said now, and then you just look at like the, what we know to be true from the documents 
he cannot tell he couldn't tell the truth and he sat up there for what eight days with his binder that was so obnoxious to get through you know i feel so bad for that jury took forever so yeah. Christine, you yeah. said a lot of this case was hung up on Adam and Barry. They they were using that. If I guess if you could remind my audience, because it's been a while since we've gone yes. over this content, uh, wh who who Adam and Barry are, and kind of I guess particularly kind of what they were framed as being. Uh, and and then I guess maybe after that we can probably then talk about kind of like what their current situation is, because I know they're kind of they're a pretty a pretty sad situation. But uh, I'll, I'll pass it off to you now. Yeah, so Adam Fox was the gentleman who was framed as the ringleader in this. Uh, Adam was just a, a guy who was kind of, um, you can say, down and out at the time. He was living in the basement of a vac vacuum repair shop. He had just gone through like a divorce, and he, I think he didn't really have a lot of friends, and he had a very obnoxious girlfriend. <laughs> and then the FBI, of course, befriended him. Uh, and Barry, Barry Croft was also framed as a ringleader. He was an older man that was a truck driver uh, that lived in Delaware at the time. Father, father of three. And same, very same situation. He, he was targeted by the FBI and that's how they kind of introduced these people together. So these guys were framed as sort of the ringleaders of this. Yeah, so they were. Yeah, so they were able to secure convictions for them. So now they're able to hang their hat on that to then try to build their future cases off is kind of what it sounds like. Yeah. Um, so what is their current situation? I know they were having a lot of issues with their prison situation. I know they were essentially in kind of like a max security type stuff, having a lot of issues. Has anything, any of that stuff alleviated, gotten worse? Are we seeing any, you know, maybe some hope, a glimmer of hope that something will change or? So, um, Adam is an ad max now. So he's got, he's still in Florence Supermax, but he has a little bit um, better conditions. I believe he is, instead of having one phone call a month, I think he gets four a month now, but that's it. Uh, Barry, he still gets just one phone call a month. And they said that they were, first they said they were going to put him in the communications management unit um, of, of Terre Haute Supermax. Then that turned out not to be true. Then, then they said they were going to send him to uh, ADX. Then they said they were going to send him to Gen Pop. And so from what I understand, he's trying to appeal that decision, but that's uh, where he's headed. So right now he's in the shoe still. How's and, the situation work? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, he, sorry, but just to add, his communications have been really limited Um People are able to write him letters, but it's not clear that he's getting them or there are long delays. And when you send the letter to when he does get it or same with receiving them, like I received a letter from Barry that was dated like May and I received it two months later. So there's things like that going on, but then they're letting certain people talk to Barry and communicate with him all the time while nobody else really can get through to him. So it's very difficult. Uh, we don't really know what's going on with him right now. And there's no real accountability with like the, the Bureau of Prisons. Yeah, once he's in there, he's like hidden from the world, you know? And you don't know what they're doing to him. If you, if you 
take it, if you make it to where only certain people can talk to one person who is essentially in an abyss, you know, you could uh, change their mind, right? And maybe make them think certain things because I know what it feels like being locked up and you're in a completely different world. Like you have to attach to certain things and like live that because there's like almost nothing else to live for kind of. So you just like have this smaller kind of thing that you focus on and be that in inside this box. And, uh, you know, it can, I think that's partially what's happening. Plus only like a specific person can only communicate with him, which could be influencing him in different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So he, it's has, very concerning. Is, is he having limited contact with his lawyer still? Cause I believe last time we talked, it was even, he was still struggling to get into contact with his lawyers, which, I would think that would be a, you know, quite the trouble for trying to mount a legal case. I, I, I don't know if maybe you know if that's changed at all. Cause I mean, obviously so, go ahead. Yeah. Um, his appeals lawyer, Mr. Sweeney has filed his appeals brief. We know that we know there's been some communication, but unfortunately his appeals lawyer is not in communication regularly with like Barry's family to provide them updates or anything like that. Like, you know, maybe his prior lawyer was, um, so it's really hard to know how, what the communication there is. Um, and then there's issues like his last letter to one of his friends. Um, he talked about how he, it's common to hear, uh, trannies being sodomized at night and things like this, you know, it sounds like very bad, like he's in a bad Place. And then him being unable to communicate with people is very concerning and nobody being able to like understand or figure out what's going on with him. Then he has prison guards telling him things as well. Um, so I think that they're, they're messing with him. Okay. Um, I, I'm trying to tie this into, I recently, you guys, I'm sure you, both of you thought this was knowing both of you probably thought this was, kind of crazy we recently got mccarthy booted out as the chair and i know it's kind of weird to connect us through to me that was like i was blown away by that does this get like between this and then the case i just there i feel like there might be an energy amongst while i have no trust in politicians whatsoever there may be some sort of energy going forward to that maybe just maybe something could happen here do you guys do you think at all that i mean especially now that there's uh, was that five? Uh, uh, you know, people have gone off. I think, if my numbers are correct, um, maybe I got that off a little bit. D- do you think that there's any? Are you hopeful for any sort of political moves, e- even if it's just to bring attention to this in the future? Brandon, you take that first. Yeah, I mean, I think as far as what the government's going to do, I I mean, I don't know. I don't really have a whole lot of faith in that. I think that there's going to be more energy directed in people like us and just regular people in society that get the information like you get the information you understand it you understand that this is what's going on in the government this is the dynamic and you know if you could choose to like vote a certain way but i think you should change yourself and change your life and that will have more of an effect like we we want to get to a point in our society where we don't have to rely on these people to live like we govern ourselves you know and we can do that um what they could do what would be nice is say okay well guess what criminally charge all these cops and these judges involved in this shit and all this stuff and put those guys in a cage right but those guys kind of control the guys that put people in cages so it's like 
how is this? It's like a circular thing where nobody's ever held accountable in the government. It's just like, oh, well, the government did this. And like, maybe we'll release the documents 30 years later. Like, where's the discovery? Give us all the discovery now. That's what I'm saying. Hey, guess what? All the cases are over. Yeah, you got some appeals or whatever. Let the discovery out. Let's let us all see it. You know, but they don't want to do that. They want to conceal the truth. Yeah, I would say um, I think that it was it's good to see, you know, McCarthy getting removed. But I kind of wonder, well, what's the replacement? Is is the replacement going to be better? Because that matters. Right. It does. Mm -hmm. If you move him out and just replace him with another guy who's going to do the same thing, you're not really doing anything. It's just kind of musical chairs. Right. Just the illusion of like, oh, yeah, we're doing something. But we've had the weaponization committee for how long? And they haven't looked into this case. As far as I'm aware, they haven't looked into J6. Um, so, and we got that Newsweek article that came out that just talked about how they have this new category to target Trump supporters now as DVEs and stuff like this. And again, like still the weaponization committee isn't really doing anything to hold the FBI accountable. Like where are our public hearings uh, into this stuff? Where's the public hearing on the Whitmer matter? What I will say is a good thing is that recently Dan Tuono, Stephen Dan Tuono was asked about the fednapping case uh, in closed door testimony by the House Judiciary Committee. Now, for people who are unfamiliar with Dan Tuono, just to give a brief background, uh, Dan Tuono was head of the Detroit field office at the time the Whitmer investigation was going on. And there was a very similar thing to J6 that happened with a storming of the state capitol that the FBI oversaw with the Lansing Capitol Police and all of that. And this guy, uh, Dan Tuono, one week after these men were arrested in October of 2020, he's personally promoted by Christopher Ray to be the assistant director of the Washington, D.C. field office, and he's there overseeing things on January 6th. He's also part of the Mar-a-Lago raid. But then he later uh, leaves after, which is interesting, right after getting promoted to be head of the D.C. field office, he retires from the FBI right after participating in the Mar-a-Lago raid. And now he has concerns about that. But in any case, he's finally asked about it in closed doors. And he said some interesting things. He said that Number one, his attitude was, oh, I didn't really know much about it. I wasn't really involved. And it's like, sir, you were promoted by Christopher Ray himself one week after these guys were arrested and you're head of the, the Detroit field office. Like, come on. Right. You know, you know, they went in there and they like just shook hands like, yeah, good job, buddy. Here's your promotion. You know, yeah. so <laughs> they know what's up. He tried to act like he wasn't really involved and didn't really know anything about it. But then he said, if he recalled correctly, he said that the Michigan case was mostly run out of Washington, D.C. because of the various field offices that were involved. He said, well, that would have been mostly managed out of D.C. I would have been involved in briefings and things of this nature. And he said, oh, I don't really know why people are so upset about this. Yes, there, there was a lot of informants used, but everything was by the book. But he also wasn't really involved, doesn't really know about it. 
DC mostly handled it. And it's so funny because Brandon and I talked about this when we first started working on the documentary and we were doing our filming and interviews for it. One of the things that we said was that looking at the discovery, it is clear that this was being run by DC and that somebody in DC had to have been overseeing this and coordinating all of these field offices with this terrorism enterprise investigation. So he basically confirmed what we were positing, you know, over a year ago. Um, so that was interesting. But if he's being asked about it in closed doors, that leads me to believe that maybe there are some people um, in the Republican Party who are interested in finally looking into these things. And maybe they see with these recent acquittals that, you know, there is a lot of weight to this. It's now two juries have acquitted five different people. Um, I think that maybe that adds more weight to it and maybe they are considering having public hearings on it. And I think that that would be the next logical step and would be a good thing. So I have some hope that that will happen, even if it's just because politicians are like self-serving, right? And they like to do things to fundraise and things like that. They like to get their little sound bite. So if in their mind, they're like, oh yeah, this is going to be an easy thing. We know that the FBI set these guys up. We know this was corrupt. And if they know they can bring these guys in and get good sound bites, they might be willing to do it. You know, politicians are that self-interested. So yeah, you yeah. think any politicians out there that actually have a bone to pick in any way with the J6 stuff, this would be a low-hanging fruit here because obviously there are ties to be had, and it is yeah. There's so many people have gone off at this point, and it just it would be so easy, and it would be less politically charged and more of a slam dunk. So you're not directly attacking J6 while also hitting like essentially like I said a slam dunk, an easy thing to go after, but yet you're still able to tie it back kind of loosely. You That's can do right. it as subtle as you want or as on the nose as you want. It's it's completely up to you. And as that develops, you can, you know, start hitting it more on the nose, depending on how it progresses. That would be my You could feeling. even, you could try to make it a bipartisan thing because you had the BuzzFeed journalists that covered this that are kind of more uh, liberal leaning, I guess. You could maybe bring them in, have them testify in a public setting. You know, you could bring in um, the, the FBI agent who was most likely, uh, the UCE red who may have been involved in targeting like the, the BLM guy in Denver and trying to get him to yeah. shoot the attorney general. Like you could make this a bipartisan thing that like that this one thing in particular is something that both sides can agree on. And they do the intercept. This is a far left publication. They wrote an article about the Michigan case saying this looks like you know, uh, entrapment. They said that. So there are even leftist, left-leaning outlets, even Esquire magazine and things like this that have covered this and looked at it and said, this is, you know, there was obvious, uh, if not outright entrapment, there were elements of entrapment and it should be investigated. Yeah, absolutely. And then one of the charges, one of the biggest charges that Adam and Barry got convicted for was like the WMD charges and stuff. And the only reason why they well there's a couple reasons but the main reason why they even got that conviction was because of red because of the undercover uh agent red was inserted in there to try to get people to talk about you know bombs and stuff right so that's how they got that secured and 
at least these Congress people could look at, okay, what constitutes as WMD? What constitutes as conspiracy to use a WMD, right? Is it fireworks? Is it a modified firework? Like, is it, and then they look at the convictions, they look at the evidence and what the law says, their own laws. And you can clearly see, dude, that's not, doesn't involve w, WMDs at all. There was no, there was no buy. There was no money. There was no purchase or deal or nothing. This is an imaginary thing that you guys just came up with because that's what you wanted them to uh, use to, uh, you know, blow up some bridge or that's what they were trying to say. You know, but the evidence shows that that does not qualify as conspiracy to use a WMD. It's absolutely insane. And these Congress people need to say, hey, wait a second. In America, this doesn't qualify as that. A WMD is this. The law says this. It's not the same. Let these guys out. They should have never got convicted for that charge. And you guys wanted them to get convicted for it. That's why you brought in another person how is that not material support you brought in a person specifically to get someone to fucking conspire for a bomb you know what i'm saying that is material support dude you know otherwise that situation would never exist yeah it's astounding they ever got them on that because like from the beginning when i started looking into this it blew me away that there's just nothing here like i always assumed there was something like when I Words. first, I, something, like something little, like even the tiniest bit thing of someone did this slightly illegal action or this action, or they in some way furthered the plot, but it really was nothing. I, I can't, nothing, like even to this day, I almost feel like I almost need to come up with something because it just sounds ludicrous when you explain it to people because you're like, you just sound like you're just, I don't know, intentionally seeing it the way you want to see it when really there just isn't. And it, it, I don't know, that, 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 the whole, the WMD thing is probably the silliest because yeah, I've looked into this and you know, and following Christina's work and stuff and, and and others and they're just really it really was just a matter they talked about it. It wasn't even like a they were trying to almost give this stuff away and everyone's like meh. And that was really it. <laughs> literally yeah, pushing were... the credit cards on people, the five thousand dollar credit right. cards, and no one took it. My attorney was like, Man, this is one of the first times I've seen like a WMD thing or, or bomb thing or whatever, where there is no bomb. He said, if they were really going to do it, why didn't the feds just make up a fake bomb and go bring it to them and give it to them? Cause they didn't want to, nobody did. Nobody wanted to do that. You know, only except the government, the government wanted to do that. Yeah. Like this, this case always just felt especially gross to me. Like the normal, like, cause it's like worse than entrapment because it's like, you guys didn't even really get entrapped. Because like, you know there's I mean? no it's crime. Like... That's literally <laughs> yeah. what these lawyers like were saying at this final trial. They were saying like, we're not even really arguing entrapment here because like there wasn't a crime committed. Like you just duped somebody into getting into a car and then told them to do things while they were in the vehicle and then try to use what you told them to do in the vehicle against them as evidence and then try to fabricate evidence to make it look like what that person said on the way back was actually what they said on the way there to try to make right. it look like they knew in advance where they were going, where the FBI was driving them, which was to Whitmer's vacation cottage when that was not the case at all. And yes, right. uh, special agent Impala was caught by Eric Mulder's lawyer, uh, Mr. Barnett, literally fabricating uh, evidence. And he goes, Oh, that was a typo. That wasn't a typo. He was trying to 
make one thing look like it was something else. And this is just one of many instances in this case where they do things like this, where they're fabricating things or they're lying about things one way or the other, or they're doing things like planting things on people so they can seize it later when they arrest them. Yeah, they did a lot of embellishment. They embellished a lot of regular situation, embellish it to make it seem like it was way worse than what actually happened. Yeah, when you read a, a book like Terror Factory, it, it goes through like a multitude of examples of entrapment. And it typically is usually something along the lines of the FBI finds some poor soul they, that's down their luck. They, you know, that's been, you know, they're radicalized or whatever, or they, they actively sort of radicalize them. And they kind of talk about, hey, it'd be cool if you did this. And then they give them everything they need for some sort of act, literally do everything for them except for literally the act itself. And then they swoop in right as they go to perpetrate this act or they give them a fake bomb or something like that. And yeah. God, and like, it was always like this, like there's this weird gray area where most people go, okay, like that feels gross. And I agree. That is gross. I don't think that's something the feds should do, but like there is some part of you where it's like this gray area where you're like, well, I don't know. I mean, I guess like theoretically that guy would have committed a crime. Like you're like, okay. Like it's, ugh, I mean, like, I don't like this, but there's like something there, but like, this is just, it's, it's almost like this, like, they just like broke. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't do their part. Like you know what I mean. Like they like this should have just gone away. Like they like the, the gall of them to even bring this forward is just beyond silly. It just I, yeah. It's almost not like just they, bring they, it forward, but to bring it forward in the way that they did, where they made this big show of it and they did these press conferences and they said that this was the biggest DT case in a generation and they acted like Whitmer was in danger and that politicians and governors had to be scared now in the safety of their homes and oh, we're going to have to increase private security for all these governors and fortify the capitals and like it was all nonsense. They had to make this big theatrical over the top thing because that's what they always do. And that in the end is what is going to uh, expose them the most because they lie. They just make these uh, false claims or their story changes five different times. Every time they tell it, it's a different story. Yeah. yeah it's uh, so re Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I was just saying it's, you know, it's so ridiculous that, they will walk by you with uh, a video on their cell phone of like something blowing up like a car or something that they previously, the FBI previously recorded. And then they get together and say, Hey, um, let's bring those five dudes over, show them that video on your cell phone, you know? And then they go over there while we're all training with our firearms and stuff. Hey dude, check out this video. They show you a video and say, well, you were in a circle standing around with everyone. And you watch that. That's, you wanted to get a WMD, you know, that's what they're saying. <laughs> that's literally. literally what they did. They literally. blew up an SUV. <laughs> they made a video yeah. of themselves blowing up an SUV so they could bring in special agent Tim Bates, UCE Red to play the video for everybody. Like it's the dumbest thing ever, but this is what the FBI is doing. And one has to wonder how much money they're blowing on stuff like that. Think about the yeah. average person who's struggling right now to like buy groceries or like make a car payment. And the FBI is just like willy nilly. Uh, purchasing SUVs to explode <laughs> them to make a video to try to en entrap a homeless man, you know, and like right. a, a group of guys. It's just, it's so 
it's comically evil. It's evil, though. They were surveilling one of the guys, uh, maybe even multiple, for like months prior before even stuff started really kicking off, weren't they? I, I wish I could remember which one it was, but I remember there was one guy that, that was, was falling Barry. around. That's Barry. Yeah, Barry. <laughs> like that that story, like just the simple surveillance of him. If you think about it, like I, I wish I could remember all the details. I'm sure you remember, Christina, of all the different things they were doing in so far as surveilling him. And it's like that was probably tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars alone right there and the amount of resources they just did to follow this April one dude 2019 that, is when yeah, they, they started really, <laughs> really surveilling him they'd been surveilling him online since like 2017 but um beginning in april of 2019 is when they really began physical surveillance of him as well as electronic surveillance of him and had you know uh i think they had three different warrants for his various uh devices and whatnot <laughs> Yeah, following him around, you know, as he's driving around his truck and just like taking his kids to school and like say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Literally doing nothing for yeah, an entire just... year. Nothing's happening. It's like, why is this guy being watched? But because nothing's happening, then it's like, okay, well, let's introduce him to this person and then try to host an event. Let's let's make a meeting so we can introduce him to this other guy we've been following and try to maybe get the two of them together and then get them to do something. You know, so like the FBI had to create the situations that would bring these people together organically. It never would have happened. And it was so frustrating listening at this recent trial to them talking about the Dublin meeting, the June 6, 2020 Dublin meeting and calling it Barry's meeting and the new founding fathers meeting or whatever. They have a different name for it every time they talk about it. Um so yeah and and they called it barry's meeting when they called and and shared the meeting through their pedophile informant just things Uh, like this where it's like that already came out in the federal trial why are they even trying to lie about that now it's so ridiculous yeah christina you had your own saga fuckery through this uh i know you had this uh, i mean i don't you can tell the saga better than i can but essentially along the lines of Essentially, you were doing uh, live commentary of the trial, and you ran into a whole lot of issues there. Uh, you you want to let let the people know about that because that was uh, I did think that was really silly, uh, but I'll let you go. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. So um, they had restricted media access to the trial, like there was only you know, uh, a handful of people that were allowed in there, I believe like three outlets and that was it. And there was only one that was, um, like live streaming the trial. And I just wanted to do my commentary, which, you know, I'm allowed to do. Um, but yeah. So on the second day of the trial, the prosecutor complained about, uh, family members being in the live chat. So like 
They were obviously aware that this was happening. Then uh, somehow, you know, a complaint was made on my channel, a strike on my channel. I, I still have the strike, actually. The first four days of my trial coverage were completely removed and Sinclair Broadcasting threatened to sue me, uh, which was ridiculous. Um, and Brandon, you were doing the commentary with me like it those streams are mostly all commentary. You know, there were people saying yeah. like we were talking so like too much and I would direct them over. Like if you want to just watch the trial, you can right. go here to watch it. I was literally like directing people to their stream. So um, it was just crazy though. And then there were other channels that were doing it and they never got the same treatment. They didn't get strikes. And um I know for a fact that they were like made aware of that. So I find that interesting. And then uh, most recently, one of them has gone back up. One of the videos that was removed has gone back up on my channel. So I guess. Yeah, that's we'll just another. Yeah, that's just another piece of evidence to show that this entire situation is corrupt. You know, you have a couple people who are live broadcasting this trial that you're openly showing everybody and it's for the public and you only go after the one, the people that are telling the truth, right? Like you got to yeah. shut down this portion of it because it's not the narrative that you are trying to push. And we know everything to the point where we can correct it in real time and say, nope, he lied about that. Oh, let's bust this out here. Here's where this says something different you know, and here's where they said something different in the other trial and yeah. they didn't want that to happen. So they're like, you know, uh, we got to use aggression against them and threaten them and, and use the government even more against people who are trying to call us out for our bullshit. Yeah. yeah they don't, I think that was what it was that they didn't like being corrected in real time. Cause I had like my stack of documents and I was just in real time being like, Nope, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. He's lying about that. <laughs> You know, and it's not crazy to think that they would want to shut that down, you know, because think about it. There are people who are involved in this who probably search every night for coverage of it to see who's covering it and what's being said. And so there would be many reasons they would want to shut it down. And, and it's very telling, again, that I was the only person that they hit with that strike and then it their threat to sue me was obviously not uh it was an idle threat you know they were just doing this to try to intimidate me i had fair i was within fair use and obviously it looks like youtube agrees with that and has restored at least one of the videos and hopefully the rest will be restored and the strike will be removed but this is the kind of thing they do though to shut that down in real time you know they prevented me for the last few days of the trial i had to literally without sharing my screen narrate the proceedings to people and provide my commentary just sitting there for hours for six to eight hours <laughs> that was ridiculous but i did it you know yeah but this people, is what people, the, they do people don't realize how much a strike will fuck you over too like uh like i mentioned earlier i got i've got demonetized recently for the silliest of things i uh i don't even know how i go about saying it without getting one again but uh oh, no. there was a certain character 
uh, with, that was known for wearing a tall hat uh, that was, uh, you know, many, many, used to be a president back in the day, and I maybe expressed that maybe he wasn't as good as everyone made him out to be. <laughs> and, that? Uh, it was yeah, that? Then, oh, my God. Yeah, it was that. And then I expressed sympathy towards a certain faction in that, uh, in that uh, entanglement that uh, occurred during that period of time. Uh, and it wasn't even really a strong endorsement either. It was just they had some points, basically. And they, I got a strike for that. I got demonetized. I got a strike. And then what people don't realize is if it's just one strike, I think it's like, what, like a week you can't you can't stream. And it's something like 90 days that your strike is active so you're, you can get a second one, which becomes more severe. Right. Which I'm guessing you're currently in that situation. And then if you, you get a third, yep. you can lose your entire channel, and yep. that's it. Yeah, that's... Yeah, and then, yeah, and when you have hundreds of episodes like I do, and I don't—I'm assuming you have a shitload of content on your channel as well. It's—it's it's just begging. Like, they, if they really want to, they can just start hitting you. And yes. I've seen that happen to people before that you know get too close to the truth, and then oh, ding, 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 we hit a bunch of stuff. You know, we find this from your video from you know a year ago. That oh, well, this technically breaks our, or it doesn't even have to technically, and you're screwed. Like the one they said I was uh, for mine. They said it was I was supporting violent organizations. Or something, and it's like, okay, but you could say what? the same thing. <laughs> Jesus, man. Jeez. Dude, pops left the air compressor on, man. Damn. And he yells at me for leaving yeah. it on. Not bad. The funny thing too, the supporting violent organizations is that if I had said the exact opposite and supported the other group or made some sort of statement supporting the other group, the one that won, then it would be like, well, you know, you're good. But it's like they're both violent organizations, so I don't know what your point is. But either way, that I digress. No, but, but it's yeah, stupid. No. Yeah, yeah, and, and you're <laughs> right. They can do like they'll go back for whatever reason. I mean, they'll they took down one of my videos because they said I had a link that linked to a website that contains spam. It's like, what, what does that even mean? So like the rules are constantly changing too. And then there's no system of like, Hey, everything before these were the rules are like grandfathered in, right? Because Hey, this wasn't the rules at the time. So you can't just retroactively like, but that's what they do. That yeah, is what they're... they do they're the conspiracy right they say the conspiracy is on us you guys are conspiring together look at all the dots connecting between you you talk about this thing that this person does oh we don't like that shut down you're obviously conspiring against us yeah uh so with that said uh radix do you you have other channels on other uh, you i'm assuming you have a rumble maybe an odyssey mm -hmm. i would assume did you yes did you then start uh, doing your commentary on other spot or did you change it to where you oh, were only doing the commentary so and not the go ahead that's so funny that you brought that up so i forgot to mention that during this whole saga i had initially been streaming just on my youtube channel i do have an odyssey um but I don't like, I'm not the best with technology. So if Same. I don't have to fiddle with stuff, like I'll just be on one place because it's easy for me unless I have to do multiple. But I'm learning this though. I do have a rumble as well. But so after they took the channel down and hit me with the strike, I did start streaming on Odyssey. I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, I'll just start streaming it on Odyssey. Well, they did. That's when they sent their, their lawsuit threat letter. And they also sent it to the CEO of Odyssey uh, personally and included his like home address on their threatening letter and like all this nonsense. So 
I talked to him about it and was like, look, this is what I'm going to do. You know, I'm just going to, I believe I'm right. Like I'm talking to lawyers. I believe I'm within fair use, but because I don't want to cause you problems, like I'm just going to shut the stream down for the day. And then I'm just going to, you know, work, do the workaround, which was me just narrating the commentary. <laughs> but uh, I also believe that they must have sent Rumble a, uh, some kind of threatening letter as well, because one of my streams there, when I decided to uh, stream on the alternative platforms, I did it on Rumble and Odyssey, Rumble removed it. So they must have gotten some kind of like, threatening letter as well which is just crazy right. like that that they will go to those lengths for about me but then other people on youtube that were streaming the the trial and doing their commentary they didn't touch them so come on like they're, they're i'm sure i would be interested to know if there was some communication between like sinclair and the government just saying yes. okay and sinclair is like a huge organization because I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, in a lot of the articles, they tried to frame this as if like, oh, local news stations or something. But the, what people don't realize is a lot of these local news stations are owned by the megacorp, you know, Sinclair. Yes. And that, so that's where it goes back to Sinclair. So they tried to frame it as if you were stealing business in a sense yeah, from, from some like little this, guy somewhere. <laughs> this local media up north live. Well, no, they're owned by... Sinclair Broadcasting, who also owns CBS, ABC, all these local affiliates across the country, by the way, they're all owned by Sinclair Broadcasting. That's a monopoly. Um, and it, if you guys are familiar with, if you've ever seen the video, someone edited it together and put it together of all the local mm -hmm. news all saying the same thing. And they, they bring yeah. up like 50 different ones all at the same time saying, and this is a threat to our democracy or whatever it is, oh. whatever the talking points are. So it's like, hmm. It's almost <laughs> you know, like That's also ended. Sinclair. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's almost like Mockingbird never ended. <laughs> oh, and by the way, by the way, I will say Sinclair, when they sent the threat letter to YouTube odyssey me um it was the it was their general counsel for the entire corporation like the umbrella corporation sinclair broadcasting their general counsel sent the letter like their their main guy their main lawyer it's like really for a, a small channel like mine that maybe had like a hundred people tuned in watching this that is ridiculous yeah, it's well, Brandon, you had your own recent saga, which I believe this ties back into this because you were treated a lot differently than someone would be. And you can go as deep into this as you want to or not. I know the time's a little bit past and you we had I had kind of kicked around the idea of maybe doing an episode on it because it, it was kind of in this like area where it's like, is this drama is what is this? Because it's like it was almost like a he said, she said thing. Uh, you, I, I know you end up sending me a lot of receipts. So after I saw a lot of receipts, I'm like, okay, shit. All right. Um, but I do know you ran into some more legal trouble recently and, but you weren't treated like a normal person would be in that situation. You were treated like basically a violent terrorist. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that was, uh, something that was really surprising to me because I got in charge with a simple like class A misdemeanor um false accusations and uh you know how they arrested me that's what kind of was the big red flag to me about everything and that the person who 
turned me in to the to the police was my ex-girlfriend right so it's like wait a second and then the fbi just so happened to talk to her right when me and her started talking last october you know mm -hmm. and it's like okay here's some suspicious stuff you know and they they used an entire tactical squad to not only run surveillance on me for two days but arrest me in the starbucks parking lot and they already had a wrecker there to tow my car they had like it was all set up they were ready to get me you know and they were told that i was a domestic terrorist they were told i was a dt and it's like okay well then who told them that right was it her or did they look me up am i on a list you know they did not treat me like someone normal from society they treated me as if i was a criminal and that i did get convicted for this stuff that i was ultimately acquitted for because if we remember richard trask actually did beat his wife you know blood everywhere and all that stuff and it, this wasn't just some false accusations of of you know females being emotional and yeah, we all saw that, the blood in that bed right right and, and on him on him and they just calmly like arrested him, you know? This dude's working on counterterrorism, this FBI agent, he does this stuff and they're like, hey bud, you wanna just come in, you know, we'll put these cuffs on. And me, they roll up deep, dude, surrounded me like, like 10 cars, officers jumping out of every car, pointing their weapons in my face. Get out of the car, or no, they said, uh, get out of the car, put your hands on the wheel, get out of the car and all this shit. I'm like, dude, what the fuck, you know? And then disarm me and then immediately take my guns. Yeah, uh, I, I do want to real quick do a test. Like I said, you sent me a bunch of these receipts and uh, a lot of the claims I find incredibly suspect and I find myself, unless I'm missing some huge piece of the picture, I'm leaning heavily towards your your account of the events. Uh, you did get a lot of good receipts. Uh, a lot of the things that were used as claims that you did something were actually, you showed, you know, proof that these were actually from much, like, literally were the exact photos from way before so yeah uh, yeah I, well i'm I, trying to talk around it because i don't know how much you want to talk about that i'm just saying uh because the, the thing is this is like almost a reputational attack because now you look yeah. worse to the public and you know with the yeah. claims are being made so you know well and they're doing there looks like the same thing's happening to barry <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah oh what, what's was there something new there i missed or <laughs> Um, no, I was just going to say that, you know, I had spoken uh, with her and it seemed there seems to be no uh, resolve, right? There doesn't want to be resolved. So I, I'm at the position where I have to essentially bring forth the evidence that I have, some of it, and give it to them and say, look at this. You guys need to not prosecute this situation. You know what I'm saying? Because it's going to be really bad. This person is lying. You know, and, and we, we could do something on it, but there's there's really been no resolve on it. And I have given up on trying to help them or get them to come clean or anything like that. I don't think they're ever going to do that. And that's something that they can live with in order to make themselves feel better. I, you know, it's not going to bother me, but this situation is going to get exposed one way or another. And especially people that are involved in LP, you know, they need to know who this person is and what they're doing and their track record, right? Because now for me, I come to find out this person that I was in a relationship with has a pretty long track record, 
of embezzling money from organizations in the Libertarian Party and lying and manipulating and making up stuff. So I'm just, thank God for technology right now. I got a Galaxy 23 Ultra. Freaking love that phone, dude. Totally transferred all my data back onto it. You know, so I was able to use that to defend myself. And you always want to document stuff like, you know, when you're going on throughout your life, record things. If you see something weird, like, you know, record that, take a picture. Like, you never know how it could help you later on. And and, and so I I did do that. We're going to see this develop. Um, I should be getting my firearms back. The EPO is up. It's expired now. So I have the right to retrieve my property from their custody. They have no authority at all to keep my firearms. And I told them that straight up. So they were kind of given a little bit of issue about it and moving real slow. But I think the process is going to be developing a lot more quickly now. And then, you know, once I get that, I'll, I'll feel a little bit better. But this is still an ongoing thing for sure. Like this thing is, is continuing to develop. This person does not want to uh, resolve anything. They want to maintain the lie. So, I mean, as far as I know right now, this is moving forward. Yeah, we'll I see how say, it goes. Just for clarity for people out there, I cannot make say make any claim one way or the other for the other additional claims you made there. I wouldn't be the least bit surprised considering some of the stuff I've seen. But just so you know, before it be, if it ever becomes some drama thing, I'm only making the initial uh, what you were accused of uh, criminally. Uh, you know, uh, I, that I don't believe. I'll just go ahead and say that. The other stuff, I don't know what she's done elsewise. I don't, I don't know. It could definitely cast doubt on other stuff, and I wouldn't be at least surprised, but I don't know. It, also, it could just be as simple as a jilted woman. I don't know, but there is some weird stuff in the past. I have no idea. Weird uh, correlation <laughs> with the feds. It, you know, when the feds show up and they want to talk to you, it's like, how did you know me? Like, who'd you hear from? And even the regular cops make a huge deal of, of feds. You know, they're like, I asked my attorney, I dude, I sat in this jail for four days on this bull crap waiting to get out. And, you know, the, you know, finally after four days and my attorney was like, yeah, cause the feds came to talk to me. You know, my attorney was like, yeah, they held you there until he got there just to see if, you know, he would talk to you and stuff, you know? And, uh, but yeah, man, I got bailed out of there and thank God for that. Dude drove straight back home, got out of and Texas. There, yeah. Are there any charges being pushed at this point or are you, is it basically done for there? Uh, do you know? I mean, I guess you would know that, but yeah. Y yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, right now there's charges uh, um, in effect, but now it's going to go to a district attorney to see if they want to prosecute it. So essentially you have an individual who makes a claim, signs a statement, the government goes and arrests that person. Then they, you know, that process unfolds and then they take whatever evidence, right? And say, um, okay, can we prosecute this person with this evidence? But there's an interesting situation developing where I actually have more evidence than the other person. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I could prove the story, boom, way more. That person's not going to want to do that. They're going to want to take a little thing and throw it out there. They're not even going to be able to prove their shit. So it's almost like a bluff. This person's bluffing, but it's like, are you really going to go all the way? Because if you do, you're going to get exposed. Like the truth is going to come out. I can prove it, you know? Um, and who knows if the government does pick it up and they decide to prosecute me, 
that's going to be a, a lot more interesting. Then I think that we're really going to be getting into a deeper uh, conspiracy than what we think might actually be going on. And I might just be legitimately getting targeted again, for sure. Yeah. If anything, I would think you almost would want them to push forward because it, the thing is that they kind of, if they just drop it now, it's, there's almost like they can, they get to leave a little bit of damage. Whereas if you push forward and you win the case or something like that, then it, it it's more of a resolute win in your, in your camp, essentially. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So either way, they ain't, they ain't taking me down. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> yeah, they they ain't taking me out, bro. I'm telling you that right now. They can't get me. They keep trying to come after me. They ain't getting me. They did take my guns, but, you know, they left all my body armor and all of my gear, which was, I mean, it's not cool. Like, it's mine. So thanks, you know, but I'm, like, surprised they didn't take that, too. They just yeah. took uh, the firearms. And when they were asking me, they want me to verify their mind, right? Because I'm like, I want them back. They're like, well, just because they were in your possession doesn't mean that they're yours. You know, how are you going to prove that? And I said, FBI documentation. And they said, what? I said, yeah, FBI documentation. I'll give you a, a, a an FBI document of seized firearms that says that gun is mine. And there's no way you could argue against that. Here's the serial number. Here's everything describing it. And I got pictures of it. So, I mean, they can't say no to that. Like, well, the Fed said that this is his, so obviously it is, you know. All right. Uh, Christina, is there anything else you feel like the, that my audience uh, should know about this recent developments, uh, particularly? I mean, because uh, this is definitely your wheelhouse. You would know if there's any you know points you didn't, you didn't feel like we hit that you think they should know. Oh. Uh, uh, I will say, what, so I went down there to Michigan to be there for the verdict at the retrial. And um, I went in there the day of closing arguments. And when I first came in, Jason Chambers, Special Agent Chambers, was sitting there. And he said good morning to me. And he was being very weird, right? But so... I'm sitting there and I'm just taking my notes and stuff. And I, I didn't have my glasses on. I had left them on my desk here. Like, cause I drove through the night to get there in time. So I would be there for the verdict. So I forgot, of course, my glasses and I'm sitting there and I got up cause I'm taking my notes. I'm looking at the jury and stuff and I'm just making some notes, which I'm allowed to do as a journalist. And, but I got up and I walked around and moved because the guy sitting in front of me, Mr. Barnett, is very big he's tall so i couldn't see and i was just trying to see but i got up and i was taking notes and then this sheriff comes over to me i don't know if somebody like pointed her to me or told her to come talk to me but she saw me taking the notes and complained about it to the judge i explained to him what i was doing and he was like okay well you know just uh you, you can only report on certain things here's the things that you can report on about the jury and what you can't report on and i was very polite very respectful i was fine with that but so that was handled and then the prosecutor mr ralston comes like barreling in later like he's tearing in there all red-faced and screeching at me and he's like he pointed at me and started screaming and was like, I don't know who this lady is or what she's doing here. And it's like, that's a lie. You complained about my stream on the, the second day of trial. So you know exactly who I am and what I'm doing here. And then he said that I was 
pointing at the jury, trying to quote unquote, intimidate them. I want to be very clear that that did not happen. And I'm on camera. There were multiple cameras in the courtroom that were filming me that saw that show. I did not point at any jury. I was not trying to intimidate anybody, but uh, he started screeching and having this like meltdown. And then he started dressing down the judge because he didn't like the way that the judge had handled it because literally nothing happened and I wasn't doing anything and I wasn't trying to intimidate anybody. I'm just, you know, there as a journalist. So it was ridiculous. Uh, I felt like he was trying to get me tased or something. So I didn't say Emotional. anything. I was just like, because to me, I'm like, what is this man thinking? And he, I believe he did this in front of the jury because the judge had to call like a, a little recess and had to take him and the defense lawyers into this little powwow for like two minutes. Then they came back in and he said, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to just order in lunch for the jury. So they're not going to exit the building <laughs> during lunch or whatever. And so I feel like that whole thing was insane. But then the media uh, wrote this headline saying that the judge attacked me, that the judge yelled at me or something. And it's like, that's not what happened at all. The judge didn't yell at me. The prosecutor did. And the judge was pretty chill about the whole thing. It's like everywhere we go, you know, we got this knowledge on us and we're just wearing the cloak of truth walking into the room and all these little baby face cowards and liars and stuff are just threatened by our existence being there, you know? And when we speak, we're just truth, you know? And they're like, he's attacking me. Oh my God. They just freak out and get emotional. Say they're using aggression against me. It's like, you're the one using aggression against other people while, and then laying down and embellishing yourself on the ground and saying you're being attacked. There's a virus of that going around in our society, dude. And we really need yep. to like get people to man up and, and quit doing that because people look at these government institutions are like, Oh, these holy authoritative people. It's like, no, that that's a baby face coward. Like that's a little emotional kid who is an adult. He's in an adult body, but he literally like cannot psychologically handle someone else with a different point of view than his. It threatens his worldview and his reality and he wants to use the state against you to kill you, you know, and come after you and hassle you and rob you. And this is this victim mentality where people use it as an excuse to do bad behavior against others because that they can just claim that they're the victim of the behavior that they conduct against people, you know? I mean, that's the only way you could do the mental gymnastics to think Christina's intimidating. <laughs> oh right, my she's God, sitting there, right? she's trying to curtail, trying to curtail her and tell her what she's allowed to write in her notebook. Like, oh, you're only allowed to write about this stuff or report about that. Uh, First Amendment, what are you talking about? Well, and that's interesting that you bring that up because the judge himself did not even cite like a specific ruling that he made with regards to like what the media could or couldn't report on for like the demographics of the right. jury. I was taking notes about like how many men versus women are there. And there was a reason for that. It's because my audience wants to know 
you know, while the jury is deliberating, like, where are they leaning? And you'd want to know, are there more women than men? Because women tend to be more emotional, especially about firearms related content or, you know, offensive talk. And with Barry's videos of his rants being played over and over again, I thought that that would be information that my audience would want. And I had previously attended the Johnny Depp an Amber Heard trial, and I was allowed to report those things. Hell, on the lunch break, I was jumping on live streams on lawyers' channels, and I was saying, oh, yeah, you know, there's a guy, the Asian male, he looks like he's in his 30s, he's been falling asleep, you know, he looks like he's been sleeping, or, like, I was allowed to give that stuff, and it wasn't a problem, you know, here in Fairfax County, so maybe Michigan's different, but he didn't cite any specific ruling so I don't even know if that was necessarily true, like that I couldn't report on those things. I think he just wanted to be play it safe, right? Mm -hmm. Which yeah, is fine. It, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't Brandon, trying to intimidate the jury. I was just taking notes. Yeah, I mean, so I've never seen you in person. So unless you're like six foot, six foot I'm tall. I'm five yo. foot tall. <laughs> I assume yeah, she's short. <laughs> Probably a little late. <laughs> that would be my guess. But you never know and, until you see him in person. But yeah, on. and I think the jury like even thought that that was ridiculous. And so I think that that prosecutor really, um, he, that behavior, his arrogance and the way his demeanor and stuff, his tone, I, I think really that is the mindset of these people, though, of the government. Like he was a perfect representation of like how abusive and nasty they are and that they will yeah. just lie in order to try to get a conviction. And he did that repeatedly. He did so many disrespectful things to the jury. He took an interview that Eric gave in 20, January of 2023, and he introduced it as evidence in a case from 2020, and he took these little clips and played them out of context, and it, he literally like ended the clip while Eric is like this, and he's going to like say something else, and they just cut it off, and so his lawyer had to argue back and forth with the judge about getting a little bit prior to that clip and a little bit after to get the full context of what he was saying. And it completely changed the context. And I think that pissed the jury off. Like you tried to mislead us. You tried to lie to us because that was at the end of the day. And they didn't get that full context played for them until the next day. So they went home that night thinking one thing and then come to find out the next day, the opposite was true. They had to see that and be like, this guy's not interested in like telling the truth. He's just, he's willing to lie. And if he's willing to do that to us with this one thing, then what about everything else that the government's presenting? <laughs> Sounds like legal incompetence to me. The fact they would even do that. Like, I don't know. It reminds me still, you brought up the Johnny Depp trial. It reminds me of uh God. I wish I could remember the when they, when, uh, what's her face? Uh, I can't remember Depp and who was the other girl hurt uh, where she brought up one of his ex-girlfriends and then that allowed them legally to dig into that and made her look even dumber. That's what it reminds me of. Cause it's like, Oh, why would you even bring that up? You know, that's not going to end well. Yeah. <laughs> her theatrics and stuff, how, just how horrible she did up there on the stand. That was like all of these FBI agents and informants when they're on cross-examination by defense lawyers and suddenly forget everything or, you know, or are, can't explain why they're the ones that are doing things that they're not supposed to be doing, like leading groups or driving vehicles and 
everything else. Well, all right, Brandon, you have any final thoughts before we get out of here? Any Anything you yeah. really feel like we should address here? Yeah, you know, I think we just need to address and be grateful that, you know, these other three dudes got acquitted. Mm-hmm. I think that's super important. I think it shows that, you know, there's way more to the story, and it shows that innocent people in America are being targeted by the government. Like, that is happening And thank God some of these guys got acquitted, you know, because a lot of times people don't hear about it. You're not going to hear about it. They keep it under wraps and, and the media, you know, pushes some other story, you know, and, you know, Christina and I got a documentary going on and that's going to be sweet. We're about to do some more filming for it. And once that gets put together, I mean, we're going to have something that's really like inarguable. Like you can't, Like, this is actually what the story is, you know, and they're not doing anything like that. They're, they're trying to, but nobody will talk to them. They don't know the truth. They don't know the information, you know? So I just want people to, to stay tuned to that as well. But I'm just glad these guys got acquitted and another innocent person isn't doing time in jail because time is hard and it's rough on your mind and your body and innocent what did uh, Ben Franklin say? He said uh, he would rather see like a hundred guilty men get away with it rather than like one uh, innocent person, uh, you know, be found guilty of a crime they didn't commit. And I, I, I resonate with that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, Christina, what is the current status of the documentary right now? What, what's going on with that? Any news, uh, any, any, any information you want to pass on to my audience uh, about what's going on with that? Cause I mean, I feel like we're we're at a good point where uh, definitely for this to come. Yeah, yeah, I know. Finally, right? We've been working on it for so long, and people don't know how far back like my work on this goes. I was there in Michigan for the verdict in the retrial of Adam and Barry, and so like my foot, the story goes back like literally to the beginning, and it's part of my story of following the case too. And so people will see my footage from numerous trips I had to make to so many different states, not just to Michigan, to interview so many different people in person. So it's a lot of work that goes into it, and we really are a small team. Like it's it's only a couple people. Like I can count on one hand how many people are working on it, which is just for the level of production and quality that we're working with is probably insane. So it is, it's taken a a lot of time to do this. Plus the story, like every time I try to end it, something happens like, right. It's developing constantly. It never ends. I feel like this never ends, but I will say I was there for the verdict. In this case, we got these acquittals. That's five guys now, not guilty. It's it's a good way to end the documentary. We have one more follow-up interview to do. Then we're going to be moving into editing and hopefully we'll have it released soon. I'd love to have it released by the one-year anniversary from when we put the trailer out because the process of filming it has been such a journey. And I really want, like, people have no idea what we have, all the footage that we've gathered. There's like 80 hours of stuff. So it won't all even make it into the documentary, but there's a lot and I'm very excited to share it with people. So I also want to to remind people too, I want to leave people with this thought in mind that these five guys are free right now. They've been acquitted, but there are still five more innocent men in prison right now. And we need to keep the pressure on. We need to keep the story in the news and uh, keep holding people 
holding the politicians feet to the fire about in getting an investigation into this because we're not going to just wait for the appeals. The appeals could take years. They're not a guarantee. We want an investigation and a public hearing. We want the discovery unsealed. If there's any lawyers out there yes. that are interested in this stuff, Brandon is an interested party in this. If you would like yes. to represent Brandon in a lawsuit to sue to get the discovery unsealed from the federal case, yeah. We would love to do that. You know, there's still a lot more work that needs to be done. So while this was one victory, it's just one battle that we've won in a, a bigger battle. Like there's more to come. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So just keep Mission those guys uh, in your thoughts and prayers, you know. Yeah, Mission Creep can be a bitch. Like when I first started getting the uh, the uh, the got okc stuff i started off with yiki that's what drove me in the next thing you know i'm looking at jolly west and how he killed a seven thousand pound elephant with lsd it's like these things are just just keeps going and i mean with this it's just ongoing it's like where do you draw the line of like all right now that like okay we're making this is the product because yeah, i'm sure there'll be still probably five ten years from now there'll be the, the story will continue on and it'll morph into something just like you know it, it morphed into j6 which morphed into something else and you can follow these trails so far but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to whenever it does come out. I do think it's super important. Uh, you want to tell people where they can find you at, Christina and Brandon? Yes. Um, my YouTube channel is Radix Verum. Uh, I have a website, just RadixVerum.com, but also the documentary uh, has uh, channels as well, K and K Film. You can go to the website, uh, the letter K and K for kidnapping kill, K and K Film.com. You can watch the trailer there and uh, you can um just bookmark that and follow that because that's where I, I put updates on the documentary but i'm hopeful to have the it released around the one year anniversary mark so maybe january <laughs> which i think would be awesome uh considering like what we're moving into for 2024 this is going to be very very relevant uh as you know as we move into that so i'd love to have it out that soon but We'll see. There's just so much work that goes into it. People have like no idea. Yeah, that'd be perfect timing. Right around election season gives this this stuff a little bit of time to breathe, kind of circulate around the information and then boom. But uh, yeah, I'm assuming J6 and all this stuff will be very relevant, uh, even more so here, here going forward. Uh, Brandon? Yeah, you can just uh, search my first and last name, Brandon underscore Caserta on Twitter and Facebook. All right. Well, I appreciate you guys coming on out. Uh, if you if you guys are watching this, you want to like, share, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. Bump it up in the algos. Uh, if you're on the audio podcatchers, go give me a good review or a bad one, whatever. I don't care. Uh, but yeah, if you want to support me, patreon.com, snowyjose2020. Uh, yeah. Uh, follow me on Twitter at TowerGangJose. Thanks again, guys. This was fun. I'm sure we'll have more updates at some point when something new happens. And we're out. Oh, yeah. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.